Hey, Kim. Hey, friend. Hey, I'm Kimberlyn. And I'm Dara. And we are In Process. She's looking at me very tentatively. Yes. <laughs> like, what do you have in store for me today? I think you have something in store for us. What's on your mind? You just want to see me cry. I don't want to see you cry, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Meaning it's true to this moment. I think you're on the verge of crying. We'll see. Um, so, well, what I was sharing with you is that I feel like I'm moving into a season of emergence, as you called it, where I've been in this kind of cocoon for the past two years, doing some really deep healing and some good shedding and some healing of the inner child and getting to know myself, getting to um, love myself and accept myself. And now it's time to go out into the world and reemerge and share that with others and it is terrifying because it's like, what if people don't like this version of me? What if people don't accept this version of me? What if uh, people reject this version of me that I've worked so hard to accept? Um, what if I come back out into the world and I'm influenced again by the opinions, the thoughts, the feelings of others, something that I work so hard to get rid of. And I'm just nervous about what that looks and what that feels like. And also with that, I think a lot about how with this season also comes um, a time for me to throw myself back into the visions that I know that God has given me. And that's scary for me too, because I remember what it felt like to do that, to have these large visions and to uh, make them come to fruition. And it caused a lot of emotional distress and it caused a lot of sleepless nights and it caused a lot of anxiety. And I don't want to go back to that place. And so I'm just wrestling with a lot of fear and a lot of, um, yeah, anxiety. And I know like that those things aren't true, but I'm having a very human experience and it doesn't mean that I don't go after and build these things and start and reemerge, but these are the, this is what I'm up against right now. Thank you for sharing that. I don't love to watch you in pain. And I also know, and I know that you know, that pain really is that thing that helps. I mean, I know there's like biblical verses that you're going to be able to spit out at me that are going to really talk about this, but it is sort of that place that creates the, it's like the thing that makes the diamond, the thing that strengthens the sword. It's like iron only gets made in the fire and it comes out even stronger and ready for battle. And not to say you're like going into a battle or it's going to be uphill and hard, but it sounds like you're really on the verge of something. And so it sounds very natural. And it says, you said yourself, you kind of just coached yourself right through that, that you understand 
what's true and what's not true in that. And you understand that you're probably still going to go through this period and come out on the other side. And those fears are completely real. And in your words, a very understandable part of your human experience. So one, thank you for just being in the process of that with us and being so honest to sit here. I mean, you literally have like single tears. Like I feel like we're watching a film and you're like the best actress who knows how to get like literal single tears rolling down your face. I knew if I said that it would sound insensitive, but that you would laugh. So there we have it. But I'm really proud of you for sharing that. Cause I know from what I know about you that I think part of the fear is not having it all together and not knowing how it's going to turn out. And so the first thought that came to mind as you were sharing about all those what ifs is, okay, what if, what is the situation? What does that look and feel like if those things were to be the case? Which things? You were talking about what if people don't accept you or they judge you or you go back to being influenced and becoming someone that you used to be and you don't want to be again. Yeah. Um, um, I think, well, it's what I hear you asking is what are you afraid of? But I'm going to ask the question that you asked out loud. Um, what if those things happen? I mean, the, the inner parent in me, <laughs> the, the one who is, you know, um, been parenting myself, would say, well, Kim, if you've gone on this journey to love and accept yourself, it doesn't matter what other people think. And especially for someone like me who is so rooted in my faith, like this whole thing is a faith journey for me. Um, I can't be, I'm caused to be a disrupt. I'm called to be a disruptor. I'm called to change the way things are done. So people are not going to like it. Um, but I can't be swayed. I can't that I can't let that allow me to um, change to keep me from doing what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so I know that. And I think you and I say, say this a lot when we're going through things like I know this intellectually. Completely. The integration <laughs> piece is hard. <laughs> um, but. I am afraid of going back to that place. I am afraid of being that person um, because it was rough. And, you know, as I'm going through this verbally processing, it's not even so much like I'm afraid of them. I'm afraid of me. I'm afraid of like, the impact that those things will have on me again. But I have to trust that I'm not that same person. And one thing about me, as you know, and joke about is like, I learn very quickly. Very. And so I have to trust that even if those things happen again, I'll be okay. And I've been okay. And I won't return to that dark space because I know I have the tools, the resources, the knowledge and the wisdom mm -hmm. um, to keep myself moving forward. And also knowing that like I, no matter what's happening around me externally, I can control what's happening internally. So I can choose whether or not I want those things to influence me um, a 
opinions, questions, other people. Um, and that I think that's why doing self-work, why, why doing work on yourself is so important because we live in a world where we go out and we cannot control the way others act, move, say, like anything. Um, and so we have to, you know, whether you're a believer or not, like you have to get to a point where um, you are so full of love. And there's that word again, like so full of love, so full of um, your own self-acceptance, like the things that we want from people, we have to give to ourselves first. Dang. And we have to fill those up. So the the acceptance that we want from others, we have to give to ourselves. Yes. The love that we want from others, we have to give to ourselves. The validation that we want from others, we have to give to ourselves. We can uh, not attract what we are not. Yeah. And I think I have to trust that I've given myself like over the past two years, I haven't just been like healing or, you know, we healing is such like, you know, a popular word. Like I have to trust that I'm, I haven't just been like healing for the purposes of healing. Cause I've been through stuff, but like <laughs> I've been filling myself as well. And so like, I am more than prepared. I'm more prepared than I think to emerge. And it shows it's so funny, like cognitive dissonance is just so interesting because, you know, every day I'm shown that I am prepared and I, I am equipped. But then you have moments of like, oh, shit, and fear where you're like, you forget totally. everything. And so I think I'm just standing in the middle of like cognitive dissonance. <laughs> Your awareness alone demonstrates to me that you're a different person than you were then, because back then you didn't even have the fortitude to have the awareness. Mm as you were entering into whatever that was at the time, I didn't know you back then. And so when you look at it this time and you say, there's the potential to be back in that place, having that ability to look outside of yourself and see the potential roads ahead gives you a leg up because you can choose how you respond in those situations and you can play more offense than defense. Mm. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I've been thinking about, and I think it, it would be good to talk this out too, is like, as I'm moving into this space, um, I'm realizing, and I'm, I've always known this, but I'm accepting that I'm an, I'm a highly sensitive person. Um, and growing up, uh, that I remember that being like frowned upon, um, in different ways, whether it was at home or outside, like, you know, you don't want to be the girl, the person that's crying all the time or feels everything. And I think like, that's one thing children, it's crazy because children come into this world already establishing their soul contracts and knowing who they are and what they're supposed to be doing. And they come into this world highly sensitive, but over time, um, adults in the world teaches them to like close that part off to them and they become so much, there's so much more distance between who they come into the world as and you know, what they're supposed to, what they know they're supposed to be doing their purpose, their destiny. Um, and so I'm learning that I'm coming 
back to terms with the fact like this is me. I am a highly sensitive person and I've shut that off over the years because I thought it allowed me to be more effective if I didn't feel everything. And it got me to a certain point in life, but then I was like empty and hard and cold as well. Um, So now I'm coming back to a place where not only am I accepting that I'm a highly sensitive person, but I've like asked God, like, I want to feel everything because I realized in not feeling things, I was cutting myself off from my artistic capabilities. I was cutting myself off from being the creative and the artist that I know that I am. And whoa, am I feeling everything? And coupled with the fact that I overthink everything, it's been, it's been a journey for me these past few weeks. And I'm wondering as someone who I feel like you're highly sensitive to, even though you may not, your output isn't always. <laughs> um, like sort of shady. <laughs> <laughs> even though you have no feel. No, I'm kidding. Programming, my friend. We share that same programming. <laughs> um, as someone who is a, a highly sensitive person as well, are there things that you feel like you have to guard yourself from? So like... TV, certain TV or mm. for me, it's social media. Like what are the things that you Which feel Which I like? hate because you're my biggest Instagram I fan. know. <laughs> but so let's talk it out because I'm wondering if like, for me, I'm wondering if with, because even certain reality TV is like, I realize it starts planting seeds inside of me. Um, and I'm wondering, is there a place and is there a world in which I can be who I am and still approach these spaces? Or am I always going to have to be like, no, I'm a highly sensitive person. I can't consume these things. Yeah. I don't have a full answer to that because I relate, like you're saying, I really hope I don't have an awareness that percolates of reality TV being something I can't watch because that's my favorite consumption. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but (laughs) I totally agree with you. I can't watch things that are stressful, that are scary because I embody it and I carry it in my being for a really long time and I don't need that. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely get that same thing. If I walk into a space and the energy is heavy or happy or sad or tense or whatever, I immediately feel it. And suddenly I'm in the same exact space. I have a guy that works on my team who showed up in our house on Monday and he was clearly not in the right mood. And it knocked me off my equilibrium for the entire day. And I kept thinking to myself, you can't let someone's energy really get you down like that. And so I think the way that I have addressed it is to figure out what are the exercises like literal and metaphorical that I do to ground myself. What are the things I do to recenter? Some of that is as simple as just breathe simple, meaning like relatively simple, but like we don't always apply it or it's not always basic. Exactly. Um, breathing exercises, meditation stuff, visualization stuff, like just moving my body to literally get the energy out of it or to try and readjust my focus onto something that is like a different angle of the thing, as opposed to looking at it from the perspective that I'm currently looking at it. Because at the end of the day, our experience is really just our relationship to the thing that we are experiencing and the way that we process and choose to supplant onto it some sort of meaning. So if I'm in it actively and I can say, I'm feeling this certain way about this experience, I can also actively choose in that moment without overriding it and not allowing myself to feel if it's a true feeling that I need to be processing. But if I'm taking on someone else's feeling, 
it's a pretty clear cut thing where I could be like, that's not mine, that's his. And I would rather focus on this, that, or the other and try and ease myself into that because what we focus on becomes the thing that grows, right? Like where, ener- where attention goes, energy flows. Mm, yeah. So for me, yeah. those are some of the major things. And then just from like a energetic level, I know, again, we've talked about this before that you and I don't share identical religious beliefs, but I think spiritually our beliefs are actually very aligned. And now my cat is joining us. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> uh, she, But this is actually an interesting corollary because I feel like everything is energy and anytime I'm feeling a certain way, she can feel it. Mm. And she like starts coming over the second we start talking about energy. So coincidence or not, cats are very intuitive completely. So my point being that you can protect your energy and you can shield your energy. There's literal shielding spiritual exercises that I've been taught and that I do to visualize like light and energy protecting and surrounding my personal space and my personal energy bubble. So that whether it's I'm going into an environment where I don't want to take other people's energy or I'm giving a lot of energy or holding space for people in a client session or otherwise that I can be there and be available for that without consuming everything that's going on for them and completely wiping myself out energetically or emotionally in the process. And it's something I've learned through my hypnosis work that it also is really important because you can be in an experience and be a participant in it and be wholly there. And actually, I think it's very much like anything you talk about with boundaries that you need to have your place of fullness be preserved in the first place to really give in the first place. So when I think of this thing, whether or not it's actually effective, it's maybe it's placebo effect. I don't really care because at the end of the day, if I'm visualizing myself as protected and secured energetically where I can show up in spaces knowing other people's energy that isn't helpful to me can't penetrate. I feel a much better way about it. And I notice a difference. Hmm. Yeah. I think a lot about uh, Sadhguru and his teachings around like, we are in control of our own experience. And it's something that I have been working on, um, not as actively as I could, but it is something I'm working on because I'm like, at what point does this become delirium? Which might be fine, (laughs) which might be actually a good thing. Like I am creating this environment around me to kind of flourish um, and to be okay. Also, you talk about the ability to participate in something without consuming it. And that's also something that I've been working on for a while is like, almost like, how can I become the observer of this? And I think that for so long, because I've had this tendency to fix things, like I recognize that my spiritual, one of my spiritual gifts is a healer. And sometimes that can be to my detriment if it becomes ego-based where I'm trying to fix things so that I feel, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel um, uncomfortable. So like if something, if you're having a bad day and you're upset, it's like, how can I fix it? So I don't have to sit in this with Mm. you. But Brene Brown talks about the power of vulnerability and being able to sit with a friend or sit with someone you love that's going through something without trying to fix it. Like that is vulnerability. And so I think like 
as I recognize, I've come to recognize that I am a healer. And so I go into spaces, I'm drawn into spaces naturally that aren't always healthy for me because I see the brokenness and I'm like, oh, let me help. But I'm realizing that I don't always go into these spaces protected and then I get hurt or I get confused or I become influenced by. Right. It's hard to tell what's yours and what's someone else's. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is for me. And I think that's part of my fear when I'm like emerging back into these spaces is like, am I going to get back into these spaces where I'm taking on other people's. But I think one thing that I, one tiny glimpse of realization that I've just recently had going back to like social media and TV and I love reality TV, you know that, is that I can be around these things as long as I take an observational perspective. And that takes a lot of discipline for mm-hmm. me. So it's literally like social media, reality TV is like watching a movie. And it's funny because I've just gotten to the point, my partner loves like watching scary movies and stuff. And I grew up like, we don't play with the devil. We don't play with these, <laughs> like home watch scary movies. I'd be in your dreams. Like, but I'm learning like, it's just a, it's just a film. It's just a movie. Or when something, even if it's an, even, even an action film or something where something dramatic's about to happen, like I used to get really tense, but now I'm like, Kim, it's just a movie. And that's the same posture I do need to take for social media and reality TV as a highly sensitive person is like, this is not real. Like, and I find that in my going out and having more conversations with people um, coming back outside after the pandemic, I actually like people more in real life than I do on social media. And that says something. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, I actually like this person better in person, which I think like that's the point of it. <laughs> I mean, I would hate to be the person that you like better on social media than in real life. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? And I think not to get, well, we're already deep, but I think like the more we stay in our silos, the more we stay on social media, we create these images and these thoughts and these stories. Like I'm a huge storyteller in my head. Like I will make up the craziest story in 2.2 seconds and you will be like, Kim, that got dark real fast. (laughs) Um, But I think, (laughs) I think as I'm reemerging, look, I'm talking to myself as I emerge and come out into the chat, come out into back from the shadows, whatever. I think that I'm okay. I'm protected. I just have to change the way I participate in this world. Oh my gosh, I'm fixed. (laughs) (laughs) What I love that you did though, is like you basically just, so you said your gift is as a healer. And I think whether someone identifies with that themselves and they say, oh, my gift is a healer. I truly believe that we all have the power for that self-healing within us, that we all are our own best guides for that like certainly it's helpful too, when we don't let it become a savior complex of like, you know, like I have been on the receiving end of thinking like healers, like energy healers or other types of healers had powers that I couldn't access. And I gave over way too much power and found myself in positions that were not healthy or wise or recommendable. And so as you're saying that, I think you're modeling for people 
that we all have the ability to work ourselves through this stuff. And you did it here in conversation, which is great. But really, I just got to be that person Brene Brown talked about where I just got to sort of hold that space for you, which also reminded me of something that comes up in my relationship a lot, where Brendan has learned to ask me, do you want advice or do you want me to listen? And I would constantly get upset because I'd be like, why are you giving me advice? I'm just trying to share with you. I just need you to hear me. And he's like, oh, I thought you needed me to fix it. And I was like, no, I'm more than capable of doing that. I just need to vent it, like to get it out of my system. And so that really reminded me of what you were saying there too, that people just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just to ask, like, how can I best support you right now goes a really long way. But I think that question also can be given to ourselves of like, what do I really need right now? And then to go find and do that thing. And when we're talking about energies from other people being consumed by us or taken on by us and having a hard time discerning between whose is which, that to me makes it really hard to discern and assess your own inner wisdom because you're like, well, if I can't hear my intuition because it's muddled by other people's stuff, that to me is like the biggest quote danger of being a highly sensitive person or being an empathetic person or an empath or whatever the situation might be. And so the more that you can continue to be in the process with yourself of asking the questions that you're asking of, okay, I have these fears. What is it that I'm really afraid of? What do I really need? What do I know now that I didn't know then? Can I actually face the quote, worst case outcomes that I am so afraid of what might I do if that was the case? And is it really that bad in the end? And to also look back at the historic evidence, like you did so well of saying, and I got out of it and it was painful. Yeah. I went through the fire and here I am today and it was all worth it. And so no one is asking for pain. No one is asking for the things that their fears are trying to protect them from. And you also know that you have the strength to get through it. And you have all of these tools, resources, knowledge, and wisdom, like you said, that you didn't have before. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, especially for someone like me, a raging fire sign who like <laughs> when I'm angry or upset or triggered, like I we need to have a conversation or I like you're going to hear about it. And in my own um, de development, I've started to ask myself, and it's funny because I do this to my friends now, but it's like, I do it to myself. It's like, what are you really upset about? Okay. And if you go through the, the rabbit hole long enough, you'll understand that like you're Anger is really tied to a fear. And For so what sure. is that fear? What are we afraid of? And what, like you said, what is the worst possible outcome? What is there something that happened in our past that's reminding us of this moment? And like once you I realized that a lot of people aren't having these conversations with themselves, but they have all of this energy um, that kind of builds up. And so the reason why a lot of people become combative or have to confront or, you know, let's have a conversation, um, it comes from ego, but it also comes from this need to release it. Like it's inside of me. So I need to release it onto you. And I'm that type of person. Like I need to get this energy out and you're going to feel it because this is how I feel. And a lot of times that hasn't been helpful. Um, now that's not to say like, sometimes we need to have conversations with people and, you know, get clarity and things like that. But I think that's why, um, you know, we need to hold space, um, 
for reaction and then response. Right. Um, and so when you go through that kind of question, that check mark internally, you know, you save a lot of um, conflict with others. Like a lot of times, like you said, like, oh, this is not mine. This is yours. So a lot of time when we're arguing with our loved ones or friends or family, like we're not talking to them, we're talking to ourselves. Um, and that's something <laughs> that's something that saved me over time. Like even with the relationship I'm in, like I always say, he doesn't attend my one woman shows. <laughs> so I'm used to like hollering, arguing and all of that. And I had to learn early. He's like, I'm, this is yours. I'm not entering into this space with you. And at first it was like, it was like, what do you mean? Like you, you're going to argue with me. And he refused. And what that did was cause me to face myself and say, Kim, what are you really upset about? Okay. This is a trigger for you, but is this his problem? No. And so really at every step of the way, it's like, all right, if there's an issue that I have, let me bring this to myself first. And then I can learn how to articulate it if it's still something that I need clarity or understanding about. But like going in, swinging like I used to in my previous life is not going to work here. It's kind of there's a book that's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And that's what I'm learning in this this newness of myself is like the same resources, utilities and tools that got me to where I am aren't going to get me to the next place. And really the tools, resources that I use then barely got me here. <laughs> you know, so I just have this stupid visual of like Mario Brothers Gen 1 where you go to the new level and you don't have all the tools and resources that you need. And someone's going to correct me and be like, yeah, but you like bring things from the previous levels. I don't remember. That was like 25 years ago <laughs> or maybe even more than that. That's embarrassing. So <laughs> on gaming analogy, but you, which we did not expect. <laughs> but my point being that like you move through the level and you're like, there's the mushroom. Beep, beep, beep. There's this like gold coin. Beep, beep, beep. Like you find them on the way when you need them. Mm. And you know how that works. You know that life shows up for you in the ways that you need when you need it. And even if you're walking into the metaphorical like next door and you're like, well, it's kind of dark in there. I don't have a flashlight. I don't know where we're going. I'm going to bump into things. Yeah, maybe you'll bump into some things, but you'll be fine because you're going to find a lantern or you're going to find someone who has an iPhone with a cam with a, a flashlight on it, or you're going to find whatever you need. And if you look back and you think, you know, I can make an argument to support or deny any story I want to tell myself. You talked about these stories that we're telling ourselves. So why not choose the ones that are at least of service to me that, like you said, maybe it makes me seem delusional, but at the end of the day, like that's the experience that I'm going to live in and that impacts no one else. So as long as you are literally not like making irresponsible decisions and it's helping you to frame things in a more productive and healthy manner for you to get you to move through the doors that you intuitively can believe, even if you're not fully in that place of trust trusting yourself yet. Like, okay, this seems like the right thing. Signs are pointing to it, whatever it means for you to be making that decision, then do it trusting that the stuff that you need is going to show up. Yeah. And again, looking at the historic evidence to say, when has that been true in the past or when has that not been true? And I would venture to guess that more times than not, it has been the case. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you said you were healed. So you done? I feel like I'm done. <laughs> I was going like, to say. I feel like I just, just kinda, threw up. 
Oh, great. She purged. We all got to be a part of that. <laughs> this is what happens in my home once a week. <laughs> I can also tell a difference. So Kim doesn't look me in the eyes for like 99% of the time when she's processing. And now she is staring me deep in the eyes. So I think she is done. I think she's emerged out of the chrysalis and the cocoon. She is a little baby butterfly. I am. Oh, even her voice changed. The butterfly's got a different voice, y'all. <laughs> So let's all congratulate Butterfly Kim in this very trite <laughs> metaphor that we're using. But she's out. She's out here. Yeah. And she's doing all right. Uh, she's in a much world. better headspace than she was 25 minutes ago. When I walked in here. That's true. So how are you? Wait, no, hold on. So <laughs> what are what are your lessons from this? What are my lessons from this? Um, I don't think I'll fully know that until the next 24 hours, but what I got from this space just now was um, affirmation, one that, as always, like I'm on the right path and I think that's something that um, I constantly need, um, especially on this walk of faith or like, you know, you're in a dark room and you don't know where you're going. Um, so really those are, those are really helpful all the time. Um, but also there's a permission that I received to, to like, know Kim, create the world around you. Um, and that kind of, I'm gonna call it delusion, that that type of delusion is healthy and it's helpful. And I think about, um, one thing that th that comes to mind a lot of times for me is, again, w watching movies and watching different TV shows and things like that, or even these true crime documentaries about scammers and things like that. It's like lesser people have done <laughs> these types of things, but for evil. So imagine what I can do with delusion for good, you know, completely like if I yeah, if I'm if I kind of take on this role, but use it for good. Like, what are those things? And, you know, um, many years ago I had a conversation with my dad and I'm reminded of it now where he was like, my dad is, um, a pastor. He has his uh, PhD in theology. Um, so we used to have these really amazing conversations around God and religion and belief and just like really deep worldly conversations. And he said to me one time, he said, Kim, like, Things are not inherently evil. Food is not inherently evil. Sex is not inherently evil. Even drugs, like these things are not inherently evil. But when they're put in people's hands, they become one thing or the other. And that's something that um, I, think a, I think a lot about at different phases of my life because I have this thing where that comes from around sometimes where it's like, I need to make the right decision. Well, the right decision for who, mm -hmm. like for what? Um, and having been afraid in the past to like do the wrong thing. Well, what's the wrong thing? Um, as you know, I'm somebody who operates with integrity or like is very grounded in integrity. Um, and I didn't realize that, but I guess that's just something that's important to me. I don't know why I'm fighting on fighting for that all the time. But, you know, am I doing the right thing? I don't want to make the wrong thing. I make the wrong decision. But I think part of it is like 
I have this thing where I want to live a life void of mistakes or getting in trouble. And that's just not possible. Yeah, That's when you play it safe because you're hiding and avoiding. Yeah. And you don't do anything. And I think like that's a mental trick and yeah, preservation. You know, yeah. Preservation. Um, and I think it's a, it's a trick that the mind plays on us to yes, self-preservation, but also to not be anything in the world. Like if you want to play it safe, don't be anything, don't become anything, don't do anything. Absolutely. So you talked about delusions and I'm going to use this person's full name because it's in public domain. He's published a book on it, but he talked, so it's Chris Wilson. He wrote a book called the master plan talking about when he was 17, getting sentenced to prison as an adult for a life sentence for a murder that he did commit. And he talks about when so now he's out, just like moral to that quick story. There's so much depth to it. I highly recommend reading this book. Chris's friendship and his book have literally changed my life and have changed some of the trajectories I've taken in the way that I use my time and give of my resources. And when he was in prison for the 17 years he ended up serving, he created what he called positive delusions of hope. And he said everyone in the cells around him would make so much fun of him and say, you are literally insane, Chris. You have a life sentence at this point. This was in the state of Maryland. Governor Glenn Denning had said there is no opportunity for people with life sentences to get out on parole. So they said, this is clear, black and white. You're not getting out of here. The fact that you are having these positive delusions of hope around your release, you have this master plan you've created of the 50 something things that you say you're going to achieve on the other side is just foolish. It's clearly not going to happen. And Chris recognized even at his tender young age that if he didn't have that, he wouldn't survive and that he actually believed that he would get out. And then, you know, again, spoiler alert, he did get out in his late thirties and he has gone on to do almost every single thing on that list within a course of just a few years. And I always think of Chris when it comes to positive delusions, because at the end of the day, Chris needed that for himself and everyone else around him thought he was nuts. Just like you started this conversation, you are buoying to what you need for you, regardless of what the people around you who are maybe this is bringing up some stuff. You want to talk about it? You want me to keep going? Okay. Regardless of what the people in your boat, in your house, in your family, these, those were metaphors, but in your family, your friends, your coworkers believe or think that is their own stuff. And they want you to be the you that they are familiar with because it's safer for them. And it doesn't shine any light on them to think, well, if she's changing, what does that mean for me? What does that say about me? How does that impact me? It always comes back to that self. And I don't mean it in judgmental way, but that truly in the definition of the word self-centered perspective. But for Chris, he was able to use that to learn four languages in prison, to mentor other folks to get their college degrees and their GEDs. And he didn't even have his high school diploma to start businesses, to help people get photos with their friends and family when they entered the facility to have family photos, to do, to learn to paint and paint murals around the entire facility, to change the lives. I just got chills to change the lives of the prison guards who are usually horrible to the inmates to have them go to a judge on his 16th attempt at a parole hearing and for them to take the witness stand and say, if we keep someone like Chris Wilson behind bars, I should be locked up. This person deserves another chance. 
And 16 other judges didn't believe that. But then one finally did and said, Chris, I'm going to give you a chance and you're going to be freed under the condition that you do every single thing on this master plan. So suddenly his delusion became his freedom. It became his map. Okay. You got to share now. Kim's feeling something. You're over here preaching like. Channeling your dad. I think like that's what faith is. Like that's what faith is. And like that is so beautiful. And that really speaks to me because I have one thing that I've been thinking about. Um, on another creative project I'm working on is caused me to think about like, Kim, what were you like as seven? What were you like before the world told you different? And what were you like before you started listening to other people? And I really felt like I could do and be anything because my dad told me I could. And I think like my innate self won't, knows that in order to survive, in order to thrive, in order to accomplish all of the things that I know I am supposed to accomplish in this lifetime, I have to create that world that says I can do that has no limits. That's like, even if I get knocked down, I go back again like that. But I am terrified of not only being seen as crazy, but like literally ending up in a mental institution, (laughs) mental hospital. Like I am afraid of that. And in full transparency, I have family that deals with mental health issues. And so that's always in the back of my mind. Like, what if I create this world and I start living in it? And one, I'm looked at as crazy. I'm perceived as crazy. But also, what if I create this amazing world around me and then some type of reality hits me and knocks me completely out of that world? I will be devastated. But that's happened to me before and I've been okay. but it's still been devastating. Totally. No one is asking you and I don't think you are asking you to avoid the bad feelings, because to your earlier point, when we try to avoid the, quote, bad feelings, we don't do anything. And then we sort of live in this state of Groundhog's Day, if that's a Bill Murray movie reference that anyone understands (laughs) but me. And what's the point of that? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I need to read that book. The Master Plan? That's Chris Wilson's book. Yes. Yeah. You should. <laughs> I used to have a box of them in my closet, but they've all been disseminated. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway from today is like build your dream world and just live there. Like who cares? Everyone's doing saying- design your life. You mean like the number one principle <laughs> in my personal <laughs> philosophy? Well, well, Yes. And like, and everything around, I've, I mean, I've subscribed to the design your life. Like I'm doing that now. Like people ask me, what do you do? Well, it depends on the day. I do what I want, but (laughs) do what I want. (laughs) That's a great question. What do you do? What I want? Yeah. Like whatever (laughs) I want. That's great. Um, Let's use that at the event we're about to go to. <laughs> Listen, first of all, I need to get some makeup because like, <laughs> what? <laughs> we don't share the same foundation. <laughs> we <way>. don't, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, design your life. That's 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 a little bit different for me. What I'm talking about is like live 
in this creative world of delusion like what if that's what you need to do to get you to the next level like and you know we talk about it from a spiritual standpoint like we have you have to be the person that you're going to be to step into the next space so like if you want a million dollars in your bank account it's like oh i have a million dollars like act as if act as if. And I think again, well, sounds super delusional, right? Like there is not a million dollars sitting in that bank account. Why are you acting as if, and again, if we're not saying be irresponsible and spend a million dollars that you don't have, but when you truly feel like the person, cause it's about the feeling, what are you trying to attract with that feeling? Why do you want that million dollars in this hypothetical thing that we're talking about? Then feel what that feels like, because there's some sort of fullness or security or love or fulfillment that you're actually searching for. So when you feel that thing that begins to fill that hole. And then those things can be attracted to you because it's not the place of lack that it's filling up and you're just pouring stuff into an empty, like empty, whatever. But instead there's like, Oh, it's already good. It's already there. So like attracts like basic physics. Yes. Like, and that's the thing. And that's it. And it's so it's so great to hear you articulate that because I've vacillated between those two thoughts as well as like, okay, on one hand, it's like, let me act. If I have a goal that I want to attain, let me act as, let me act the way I'm going to feel when I get that goal, when I get to that place. But there is, there has, there have been times where I'm like, okay, if I, if I aspire to have this goal, how do I keep from being irresponsible now? Like, you know what I mean? So like you said, like, don't spend like you have it, but all, but embody that feeling. And I think that's the difference because, you know, we run on these two tracks. People don't realize like we run on two parallel tracks. So people think, oh, when I get married, I'll feel like this. Or when I get the job, I'll feel like this. And it's like, no, those are two separate tracks. You have, the feeling has to be worked on as intentionally as the goal. So that's why when people get to get to these goals, when people have all of these people who are seemingly accomplished or successful by anyone's definition, they get to these things and they're empty inside because they haven't intentionally. Yeah. They haven't intentionally worked on the feelings. Um, My partner's a huge gamer and he's always teaching me a lot about life through games and like Mario 1.0, not Mario, like the games that people play now. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's this huge, there's this um, game that's out. That's really popular and it's a big game. Like there's so many missions. There's, it's a huge world, but there are also side missions that you have to accomplish. And a lot of times, typical gamers, they want to get through the world. They just want to get through the game and it's a hard game to get through, but they just want to get through it. So they spend all their time getting through the game and the different levels. Whereas there are these side missions that you have to accomplish. And I hope I don't mess it up. Sorry. Um, Where if you don't, by accomplishing the side missions, you get more health, more strength, more ammo to better perform once you face the big bosses and the demons and all the things that you have to fight. Right. Because you're not one dimensional and every part of your experience brings tools, resources, strength to other experiences, whether or not it's linear or not. Like I am the poster child of nonlinear lives and careers And people are like, I don't get it. How could you go from the fashion industry to credit card processing, to a kid's book on financial literacy, to a networking events company, to coaching? I'm like, 
because there's through lines and because they all build tools, resources, skills, mindsets, experiences that allow me to bring them maybe non-linearly into the next thing, but there's value that comes from each of those. And so when people think that they have to stay in a box and stay in their lane, I totally disagree. And secondly, what you were talking about was the fallacy of when it's when I do or get to blank, I will feel blank. And you are absolutely right. We have to be working on those things separately, recognizing that the doing, the achieving, the, all that stuff is nice, but it doesn't create any long term sustainability around the feelings those have to be, to your point, worked on separately. And so it's funny, we went to dinner recently with our friend Annie and she will not mind that we're saying this, <laughs> but she was like, Dara, gosh, it was so vulnerable of you to share on Instagram about how, when you sold your company, how 45 minutes later you were sad and you said that you weren't sad because you sold it. And this piece of you was gone or your identity shifted. You were sad because you fell prey to that silly belief that when it happened, you were going to feel all these things and feel so joyful and feel so accomplished. And very quickly I boomeranged from euphoria to, and I'm back to me. Here she is. Nothing has changed. And it just was one of those stark slaps in the face and reminders. Well, and also I was like, you were both like, Annie, that's not vulnerable. <laughs> we're like, it's come, not that come deep. Have a conversation <laughs> with us. It's not that deep. But it also was the stark reminder that we always have to be aware of cultivating that part of ourselves of the feeling piece. And that for me, the reason I was selling my company was to free up the energetic, emotional and spiritual space to pour more into my coaching because that's mm -hmm. where I knew I needed to be. And that takes a lot of all of those things. And instead I got so sidebarred by like, I'm going to have been able to say I sold a company and the bank account's going to be bigger and, you know, okay. X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to feel so flipping great, mm. which normally I would actually say a bad word, but I don't know if there's like, <laughs> we didn't give any explicit warnings. To <laughs> that didn't even feel like a word I would say. <laughs> but my point being that I really had to shake myself and be like, oh gosh, like you think that you've grown past that and that you're like maybe better than that, but you're definitely not. And you got to keep an eye on these pitfalls falls because the more new experiences we have, the lessons that we've learned come with us. And maybe we've grown with the lesson to a certain extent, but I'm a believer that circumstances and experiences and things are going to keep coming our way to refine the lessons and deepen the learning and honing of the healing that we need underneath them until there is true, true healing at the root. And I clearly had not healed that. You know, mm -hmm. I had healed it more than I had before, but it was still there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think those are just things we continue to vacillate between when, as we grow and as we go through life. And <laughs> I think it's just this huge journey towards integration. Like we always say, like you, I know this intellectually. Well, great. That's the first step. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> but like, how do we continue to integrate these things that we know, um, whether it's mentally, spiritually, emotionally into our entire being and how do we model the things that we say? You know, I always, I don't know if this happens to you, but I always get nervous whenever I speak with so much conviction, whether I'm talking about myself or like, you know, sharing, giving advice to a friend or something. I'm like, dang, I'm gonna have to experience that. <laughs> I'm like, as soon as I say something with so much conviction, that's just so spirit led. I'm like the next day within the next 48 hours, <laughs> I am going to have to 
model that the universe is God. Somebody is going to ask me, do you believe what you just said? And I think like that's the integrity piece again. Exactly. And it's for some reason it's I'm feeling like it's such a beautiful expression. It's such a beautiful way to ask you, are you the person that you say you are? Totally. But it's also very frustrating as a human being to be like, dang, like, well, if I knew I was going to have to experience this, I wouldn't have said it so confidently. (laughs) We have to give ourselves the grace and recognition to recognize that we can be that person maybe most of the time, but that we also have our own moments where something pushes us outside of who we normally are, or we realize there's still a growth edge or a corner that we haven't excavated. Like the other day I'm planning the most thankless thing, planning a family trip for my immediate and extended family. And everyone has different needs, wants, desires, means, preferences, everything. And the way we've decided as a family that this works is that it's dictatorial. One person gets to do it each year and that person just decides and everyone else is just supposed to go along with it. That is just not my style. I'm a lot more democratic. I really want to care that people are interested in this experience, that they're going to spend their time and their resources in a way that they're at least kind of enthusiastic about. And then I realized how much it triggered me because I thought, you know, I've done so much growing and I'm not the person who's so easily tripped up when my family misunderstands me and they don't see me until that's exactly what happened. And people started throwing their 95 theses at me of all of their conjectures and the reasons they weren't interested and that this was, you know, too elaborate and too fancy or too far or too this or too that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I literally spent hours thinking through everyone's flight plans, thinking through everyone's money situations, thinking through people's like family and kids situations. I tried to do the best I could to find this like average of what everyone needed while also being considerate of what I wanted. And it threw me because I was like, wow, I am getting real sparked by this, like really triggered, really fired up because people are not getting that. They are not appreciating that. They are not seeing that. They are just responding in a way that I'm like really feeling hurt by. And it just reminds me that even though in all these other arenas outside of my family, which is the place that I have the deepest wounds with, I show up as a way that feels in total integrity and in in alignment with who I believe I am and who I say I am. And then there's still this pocket where even with all my growth and all of the progress that I've made over the many years since I've been out of their house, the 20 years or so, there's still stuff there. And so I don't need to expect myself to be in perfect alignment at all times because it's just showing me where I have more work to do. You know, um, one thing that I've been meditating about a lot and studying and just thinking about a lot is like we as humans don't see ourselves the way that God sees us and I'm getting my Christian back. Um, We don't see (laughs) our Stella got her Christian back. (laughs) (laughs) We don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. Um, A lot of times when God tells us that he wants us to do something. Okay, let's let's get in the Bible, right? And even going back to like me saying I'm afraid of being looked at as crazy. When God told Noah to build the ark, like it was a hundred degrees outside. Like when there was no sight no of rain, flood. no flood, no nothing. Um, when God told um 13, 14 year old Mary that 
he was going to impregnate her. Like there are so many places in the Bible you can point to where God has asked human beings to do something that was like batch crazy. Right. And like it happened. And I, what, what I think about a lot, especially as it pertains to me. And even as I'm hearing you talk is like, we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We barely see ourselves the way people see us. Like, I know I don't see myself the way that people see me. And you know, I don't see myself the way. And vice versa. (laughs) Yeah. Like we don't see ourselves the way others see us. And I'm speaking from, for, for better. And I think what that does is create so much unnecessary space between where we are and where we think we should be, which keeps us from doing the thing that we are uniquely qualified to do because like, I am not ready. Up, which like, she's going to be on the hook. <laughs> 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 I'm not ready. Moses, like Moses was like, God, me like. We're just going to start like dropping Bible names. Yes, we are. Moses, Abraham, <laughs> listen, David, Luke. Yeah. Uh, we unlocking something. Okay. Um, like Moses is like, I have a stutter. You want me to talk to these people? Like all these people who say like Gideon, like God. Is this not a stutter? Yes. He had a oh, speech impediment. Didn't know that. Yeah. It's like, I can't talk. I can't get in. Like all these people who are like, I am not strong enough. Like David and Goliath, like all of these, if we think about all these biblical stories, all these people who did not see themselves the way someone else, some other being saw them. And we automatically disqualify ourselves by doing that. Why do we do that? Here's what I'm hearing you say. And that's going to wrap us all the way back to the beginning. Love that. You're Mary. God has impregnated you with gifts, with a mission and with new ideas. And you have taken the proper space to incubate them. And now God has given you everything you need to get out of the cocoon and go put them out there with the stutter, with that teenage uterus, with (laughs) all the things that make you feel ill-equipped and unprepared. But in each of those situations that you just laid out, that person had designated to them exactly what they needed when it was time. And they stepped out in faith. And that's exactly what you are about to do. Amen. Commitment. That's it. You're committed. I am. It's birthing season. It's birthing season. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing? It's like hot girl summer birthing season. Opposite sides of the couch. We're going into labor as as I put my feet up on the couch. (laughs) All right, y'all. Kim is done. She is committed to this. She has put herself on the hook because she is totally fired up and evangelizing. So that means she now is at some point going to have to come back and tell us how this all pans out. Oh gosh. See you next time. Thank you for your tears and your truths and your being in process. And thank you for listening. We are grateful for you and for you, Kimberlyn. Where's my glam? (laughs) (laughs) We'll get, we'll figure that part out. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of In Process. If you learned anything, had any major takeaways, or have a topic you'd love for us to discuss on a future episode, please reach out. It would mean so much to hear from you. If you enjoy this and you want to keep hearing, please subscribe, like, and review our show. Until next time.